Hi everyone, it's Tom Panos here. I've got with me Brian White, the chairman of the Ray White Group. Welcome, Brian. Good, Tom. How, do you, how are you going? Good. Thanks for <coughs> joining me, Brian. Um, the first thing I want to do is, just in case there are people uh, out there that are watching this that don't know the full Brian White history and, and how you relate to the group, can you give us a 60-second version of you and how Ray White came about? Well, my grandfather was Ray White and he started in a very small Queensland country town and in an old shed which we've subsequently found and restored and that's, that was about 110 years ago. He eventually moved to Brisbane for the sake of his schooling for his family and re-established his business there and my father joined him post the Second World, Second World War and we went, you know, we've gone on from there. I joined the company then you know, at the right time. And so we've all, we've had an overlapping of generations. I remember, remember my grandfather very clearly and obviously I work closely with my father and my sons now all have roles within our broad family operation. Okay, so when we talk about uh, uh, broad, Brian, what does uh, Ray White, the group, look like in 2013 in terms of size and you've got divisions, um, you do home loans, you do a lot of things. What's it look like, number of offices and where you're represented in the world? <laughs> well, we don't know how we're represented in the world, but we're certainly, certainly very comfortable, well, comfortable, and never, not never comfortable, but our position in Australia and New Zealand is, is good. Uh, that's been the result of the decision we took almost um, 30 years ago now to 25 years ago to expand beyond our initial base of, of Queensland. We have uh, a terrific business in Indonesia. Um, we're just growing offices at the moment, opening offices at the moment in India. And we have some pretty spectacular announcements to make which we made over the next few months of some other locations. So. Geographically, we're broadening and we're very keen to keep doing that. We've gone broader in terms of our activities, certainly with home loans. Uh, my son, Sam, is the driver of uh, the loan market, which is uh, certainly a very significant player now in that mortgage business. So how many offices is there um, all up? When well, a thousand. A thousand, mm -hmm. okay. And um, your mortgage business is a huge business. I mean, when people talk mm -hmm. about Ray White's, they can't help but make reference to how big um, that arm of home loans is. Mm. Um, that's Sam's baby? Yes, yes, he's done a great job. Okay. Uh, we were having a conversation um, two, three weeks ago when we were having that coffee and we talked about a few things. And one of the things um, that uh, triggered me about having this interview is that you've got an amazing helicopter view of the industry. You've seen characters come in and out over your, your term um, running the group and you see um, interesting people that have got uh, loads of energy that come in and do well and stay well and they're sustainable and you have people that come in and they set the world on fire and, and they don't do the distance, they disappear and you see salespeople that are good and the same thing happens. Brian, a helicopter view. Um, what have you learnt about the owners of businesses, the, the, the Andrew Bills, uh, the Craig Ponies, Michael Fingers, uh, Damien Moores? What makes them so good? I'm a great believer that 
the ownership of a real estate business or the business owner, the career of a business owner goes in cycles. A lot of people think when you start in as a business owner, it's, a, it's virtually a straight line from then on, right through one's career. No, I, I don't. That's not as I see it. That there are quite a few transition points along the way. And those transition points need to be um, navigated and understood. And often going through that transition is much a mental process and, a, and a, an understanding of what one really wants to do as anything else as in terms of even basic skills. So it's, it, the journey of a, of a real estate owner is not just a straight line, you get involved and you just keep going flat out. It, it requires transitions. and. For us as a franchise, or understanding that and being able to relate to our members and communicate in that form is, is really quite critical. Okay, so what you're saying is one of the skill of a franchisor is that depending on what cycle or stage of the owner is, that you've got to work with them at that stage. You can't do a one-size-fits-all, this is how we do things. No, that's... that's, that's in many ways, is the concept of challenge, uh, Tom, I believe, is the great integral quality of a franchise. Or they said we have to be have to be prepared to to challenge in, in in a very positive way, where each individual owner is at a particular point of time, and the thought that you might say I'm just a brand manager. I don't, I don't see that as franchise, or I don't see that as as you know earning the as you know it's earning your keep. Right. Okay. That's a very very uh, interesting uh, uh, paradigm to look at it. That what you're saying is that uh, what a good franchisor should be putting on the table is not necessarily just a brand and um, a few bits and pieces with training and that, but it's to work. Down the path of this person as they evolve and change and different milestones, and to have someone um, to watch their back while they're doing it, while they're they're, they're going through it and help them develop. Um, Brian, does a good salesperson progress to be a good principal? Is that the way it works? <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's it's the eternal question. The eternal question. And we've faced that you know, ever since, you know, ever since I can remember. And the success stories of salespeople trans transferring to effective business owners—it's all part of those cycles. Right. I, you know, the concept of a, of a salesperson going into his own business—we describe that as, as the go-go phase. That that it's really. A salesperson who actually owns his business rather than a salesperson working for someone else. And then one of the great transitions, the first key transition is becoming a business. Right. And the new principles start happening. The, the concept of leadership, understanding leadership. Leadership is a very uncomfortable word for most people. Most people don't consider themselves to be natural leaders. We've used this term, born leaders. Not too many qualities people describe as you're either born or not born, but it somehow gets attached to leadership, and it's all part of this um, this difficult concept that from when you own a business, you're actually entered the leadership business. 
I always, when I'm talking to, to, my, um, to my business owners, so you're now in the leadership business and you may not see yourself comfortably as a leader, but that's your job and that's how you'll be rewarded. And I often describe as um, you know, profit. And I go through a whole sequence of why I think this, but if effectively profit is the payment for leadership. And there are a lot of things people can... A self-made leader can be massively successful. And you might, as a younger person, you say, well, he'll, he'll never be a leader. He's not a leader in the schoolyard. He's not a leader in his, in his social structure. But with discipline and, and understanding and with practice, they've become fantastically, in many cases, far better than the natural leader. Natural leaders can often um, stray, lose discipline, um, which can be quite damaging, certainly in a time sequence. So these are the, these are the questions of, you know, it, the, to your question, can a salesperson be a good business owner? A salesperson can create a, quite a, an excellent opening business, but then next there are then different processes to go forward to have a business such as as you've already described with some of the names you've already mentioned. Okay, so um, to the viewers out there, I mean that is an absolute golden nugget, um, and I'm probably not going to say it the way Brian said it, but um, profit is the is the currency of good leadership, and um, it's something that. Uh, you might not be born with um, and it's something that you might not like but what you're saying is it's not optional it's not mandatory Absolutely. Um, Brian I've noticed that you've got an, uh, the Ray White brand's got an amazing presence and cut through in the marketplace um, it's a term that I use <laughs> an attraction business and sure there are good offices and bad offices in all the groups around the country but in general, I notice that you're very much a marketing business, very media savvy, um, um, a big uh, user of the auction system in most parts of Australia. Um, is that something that has come as an accident? Has that been intentional strategy? How is it that uh, you as a group are more focused on, say, auction and marketing than some other groups? Well, it's, it's, it's DNA. Right. I can remember my grandfather describing auction, and the phrase he used, auction means action, and it's pretty sort of straightforward or yeah. fairly simple, I yeah. might say, a bit simplistic uh, argument. But uh, you still he, remember it. I remember him saying that. And my father was very much the same. He was he loved. Uh, he was a great believer in that. So we would, if if the auction process was not a valid process, then our company would know wouldn't be nowhere near the size it is. I mean, our market share, our auction market share is at least twice what our overall market share is, and. We monitor that actually. Look, in some areas, auctions are not really applicable, and we have some wonderful businesses that do very, very few, if any, auctions. So, the, once again, understanding individual markets is critical. But fundamentally, overall, it it just brings massive benefits. 
to, to, to sellers. I mean, yeah. if it didn't work for sellers, yeah. it, the thing would. And over time, some of the big challenges we've had have been when companies have formed a business model based upon auction is deceitful, auction is dishonest, auction robs vendors of of capital just to support the marketing for individual agents. If that was correct, then our business would, would have ceased a long time ago. Yeah. Brian, the word ambition, we spoke about it uh, the other day and um, we talked about the fact that it's just a word but it's actually a special word. It means a lot. It's something that uh, you feel uh, resonates with very successful owners and real estate people. Tell me more about what that word ambition is and the context of, of, of real estate agents. Ambition is tied in with the word want, which is also tied in with leadership. And it's, it's, it's the display of ambition can be, can be discomforting at times. It can, um, rattle the cage. Hey, I'm ambitious. I want to do this. I want to do that. And, and hey, um, often the comment is, "Oh, don't, don't be so ambitious. Sort of stick into, you know, the smaller sort of structure." It's another great challenge for franchisors is how to, how to, how to go with ambition. It's 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 the breakthrough driver. You talk about Andrew Bell. Mm. I mean, his ambition is unbelievable, and and Greg's. And you know, I would take you know, that with some pride that as a company, we've been able to, to, to go with that ambition. Uh, we haven't said, no, 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 you don't do that, but someone else does that and so forth. So it, 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 and, and those people create breakthrough opportunities for an organisation. I'd hate to have a network where, the, where everyone was just saying, I've just got my own little area and I've decided to sort of make a reasonable living and that, that, that's, that's fine. If, if you didn't have the ambitious people that are saying, why can't I have a 100% market share, yeah. which is often the comment, and you th think, how, how weird is that? But at the same time, when you have those people in an organisation, just great things start happening. <laughs> You've got to be able to run with that. And it's, it's, a, it's one of the great joys of being a franchisor. Do you love the role of franchisor? Absolutely. I mean, you've been doing it a while, Brian. Mm -hmm. I mean, after a while, the law of familiarity says that it all starts to look the same. I notice that you're energised. I mean, when I talk to you, I think to myself, it sounds like Brian's just starting off as a franchise manager, you know, in his <laughs> first week. You, you sound excited and curious about what people do around the country. Um, how do you keep that energy, passion level, uh, rock up bringing that version of yourself to meetings, to principal sessions? How do you, how do, you do that? I mean, is it hard work? Well, it's certainly not hard work. It's oxygen, and um, one phrase that we had when we had the battle for market leadership, and and when that battle was quite intense, at a point when we knew we had a market leadership position, 
which I believe is a, is a potential crisis, one of the cycles that I do talk about. Um, what happens when you do become market leader? What do you do next? For us, um, I see it that we're now just chasing our potential and the closer we get to that potential, the further away it suddenly become. We're further away as a company now from our potential than we've ever been. And that's that alone is just riveting. And I've often said that I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. I I, I, I wouldn't change with anyone. That's the it's, every day is just a just a extraordinary joy. It, in the in the ups and the disappointments, it's all how blessed I am. Brian, you talked about just then when you're doing well, it's also in uh, a, a, a vulnerable time, or I think you alluded it's 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 a, it's a it's a it's it's a sensitive time. You can't take things for granted. Can you elaborate more on that? Yes, I can. We've got a number of case studies of um, in this industry, not just within our within our group of of people who who've been so keen, so ambitious to say to become the market leader or to create a great business or get so keen to, for a particular aim. And when they actually get that, well, what do you do next? Well, get another aim. But how do you, how do you replace an aim that's sort of really central with something that's still as riveting and, and with the same capacity to, to drive you? Yeah. And taking charge and becoming the leader in a, in a particular market, which may have been a 20-year ambition for someone, and they now achieve that. What, what do you do? Just keep staying the market leader? Yeah, that's not. That, that's so. What I drop. mean, so that's an interesting point because I see that happen again, where mm. um, uh, people start off. They've uh, they're getting in early. They're working hard. They're sharper. They're smarter. They're doing mm. everything better than the competitors. They overtake the competitors. Mm and they keep up that pace for a while mm. and then you just see this concept where I say nothing breeds um, failure like success because mm. when you become successful you actually yeah. stop doing the things you did that got mm. you there in the first place. Yeah. What do you do as a franchisor? Are you sitting there encouraging an office to actually then be looking for a bigger goal? Like for instance would you encourage someone that's become the number one office in, in a suburb region area to go off and open up another office so that they've got that same energy and they're growing or, or what, 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 what? Not necessary. I think one of, one of the, the breakthroughs can happen is you just say, I just enjoy running a great business and that's a breakthrough and, and it's different to I've got to be number one. And if you can transition to say, I just love running a great business. I'm proud of my staff. I'm proud of the fact that I, the, the quality of the service I offer in my community. Um, I, feel, I feel good in the fact that I'm able to influence people in terms of bringing better skills. That's, that's, a, that's a, one of the transitions. And people are actually just loving running a first class business without Am I number one or number two? Right. And when you get to that attitude, you end up almost, you, know, you go on another great spurt because just great things start happening when you, that, that 
environment is generally a very creative leadership environment. Brian, I want to ask you, if you were meeting yourself 40 years ago, what would you say to you 40 years ago? Now you've had a lot of experience, you've met thousands of people, what would you say to you about um, being a better real estate person, being a better franchisor, being a better business person? What advice would you give to you? Because there's a lot of young people watching thinking, hey, I might take a shortcut here and learn from um, what everyone else has done uh, right and wrong and, uh, and try and do it in uh, a quarter of the time. Uh, 